providing satellite data for everyone to use that has clear food production information in it is a really a benefit to everybody. It is one of those neat things that really shows the value of satellite imagery. Welcome to Small Steps, Giant Leaps, a NASA Apple Knowledge Services podcast where we tap into project experiences to share best practices, lessons learned, and novel ideas. I'm Dina Nunley. As people around the world get ready to celebrate Earth Day, April 22nd, we're looking at ways NASA's Earth Science Division uses unique global observations to help us better understand our home planet's interconnected systems. Brad Dorn from the Earth Science Division's Applied Sciences Program joins us to discuss NASA's role in agriculture. Brad, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Oh, this is wonderful. I love talking about what we do here at NASA, so thanks so much for reaching out. Oh, absolutely. From your perspective as Program Manager for Water Resources and Agriculture, and in line with this year's Earth Day theme, what is NASA doing to invest in our planet? I think one of the most exciting things we do is when we invest in our, uh, our satellites and our technology and our science, we are thinking about the needs of society. And one very big one is our food supply, our agriculture system. And I don't think there's ever been a time when we need more information. We need more high-level decision-making information. And I think NASA is sitting with such great resources uh, to provide uh, essential information to decision makers from the farmer all the way up to nations and even multiple nations to make decisions about the food supply and make sure food is available to everybody. Could you tell us more about NASA's role in agriculture? Sure. The, uh, The really neat thing about NASA and agriculture is It's one of the oldest missions that we have. Uh, Our Landsat mission was essentially started during an an agriculture food supply crisis. And this year we're celebrating 50 years of Landsat data. And so it's almost as old as NASA itself. And so in the early 70s, we did have a crisis. We had a crisis where we had a, a food supply crisis. We had a crisis in our energy systems. And one of the big reasons was we did not know what was going on in major parts of the world. And at that same time, we happened to have this ERT satellite, ERTS, which later became Landsat 1. And the U.S. government said, hey, we got some capabilities to help resolve this problem. And for now, five decades we've been using Landsat and now many other satellites to assess the conditions of food supply around the world. As you might know and the audience might know is we have a food supply that is a a global system. Uh, Unlike water where the water we use the water that we have locally we're eating foods from across the globe and our food in this country goes across the globe. So understanding that entire system, almost like a natural system, almost like the weather, we understand that system, we need to know what's going on in all parts of the world. And we have satellites that can do that. 
And so to this day, uh, we've been supplying data to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, to international agencies, including today, NASA Harvest provides data to the G7 countries, including the uh, Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, in order for them to stabilize food prices, to make food more secure, to make exports more stable, and uh, and the COVID crisis and and now all the crisis around the world really show the need for that information. In addition to Landsat, what are some of the key NASA missions and projects associated with agriculture? Anything related to to weather is critical. Uh, so our GPM mission, our precipitation mission, anything related to water itself, for instance, our SMAP mission related to soil moisture, one of the most critical data sources that we have for agriculture productivity. Um, and now we're going to have more with our upcoming missions like SWAT and NISA are going to provide even better levels of surface water information and of soil moisture information. So it's hard to determine a satellite that's not important to the agriculture industry. Um, of course, we spend a lot of time with our MODIS and our VIRS sensors that have a lot of information on vegetation and vegetation productivity. So that gets a lot of the attention and, the, and for a good cause. But there's a lot of other data sources that uh, provide essential information that help us predict uh, what a crop may be. Uh, many of our uh, stakeholders, they don't necessarily need us to tell them what the yields may be in an area at harvest. They need to know at planting time, what are the risks? What are the potential yields? And in that case, you have soil moisture, you have weather forecasts. And so lots of different information is needed and we have a lot of sources. You mentioned NASA Harvest earlier. Could you tell us more about NASA Harvest and how important is it in bolstering global food security? Let me take one step up from NASA Harvest, and uh, I'm part of what's called the Applications Research Program of NASA, uh, the Earth Science Division. And applications is all about relationships. It's about partnerships, because what we're trying to do is tie these satellites that we have and all this science that we have and trying to collaborate with an end user that's actually making decisions, whether it's a farming organization, a water resource organization, an agriculture producer. And so uh, in so doing, we try to figure out what's the best way, how can we most, uh, what, what are the best partnerships that we can have? And NASA Harvest is in essence a, an experiment in taking a large chunk of a of an applied sciences program and and providing it to a consortium and so it's this big network of organizations that all get together and try to team up and resolve problems and nasa harvest has and it's work now with the g7 with the agriculture market information system which is trying to help stabilize food, food supply, food prices around the world 
is teaming with international agencies, with the United States Department of Agriculture, with USAID, our, our aid agencies, in order to provide information on a monthly basis that can help provide information that may be critical to exports, to imports, to crisis situations like we have around the world today, so that uh, those that are importing, those that are exporting, and those that are consumers can feel, okay, I understand this, the problem and here are my options, understand the risk, so that there isn't this vulnerability, this instability caused by uncertainty. And that's what we tried to resolve. So NASA Harvest has essentially pulled that team together and then used this then also to address things like issues in the developing world, um, food insecure nations. Um, so it's really a platform that allows us to reach out to multiple different partners that may have different situations. Looking at different situations and the changing landscape of our food and water supply on Earth, what are some of the changes and challenges that are getting your attention? Well, I think that the challenges and one of them that NASA Harvest has uh, jumped on just recently is that while providing the information about food supply and food production in particular areas of the world is important, um, we also have to know where that food is being used, who needs the food, who is that food supplied to. And so them tying the food production information to who actually needs it and who is buying it helps the decision makers understand, oh, if there's a famine in a particular part of the world, they can go out and they can see, okay, what countries are going to be impacted and where are my options? Maybe there's a bumper crop in another part of the world. And so that can help stabilize and provide a bit more information than simply saying that, okay, food supply is, is relatively good. And I think what happened, a good example was during uh, the pandemic, as you know, all over the news, the food supply chain and the supply chains were broken. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we actually were having across the globe pretty good uh, food production, a food supply situation. And so there was a little bit of a disconnect between what we were saying on a food production standpoint in the globe and what people were seeing in their grocery stores and what food suppliers were struggling with. And so we saw that as a need that we needed to close that loop a little bit better. And, and that is another neat thing about NASA Harvest. They're able to jump on that. They're teaming with former um, uh, chief economist uh, of USDA to help them do the, that analysis with organiz economic organizations that help them pull that information together because that's not our generic physical science NASA data that we have to find. And, uh, and starting to pull that together. And if you go to NASA Harvest now, you'll see the beta version of that where they're able to tie that information into our food supply forecast. So this information is available on the web for anyone to go and, and look at? Absolutely. Yep, that's the whole point of the programming. And it actually syncs in very well with the financial markets. 
because one of the needs that they have is transparency of this information. Uh, they don't want one particular group holding information that others may be dependent on. And so providing satellite data for everyone to use that has clear food production information in it is a, really a benefit to everybody. It is one of those neat things that really shows the value of satellite imagery. You know, I, um, I used to work for USDA. And so in my previous mission, before I came to NASA, I was helping run the, um, the food production program that actually provided satellite data to help assess the food supply around the world. And, and one of the leaders there, one of the messages that he gave to me and, and others in leadership there is, is that satellite imagery is one of the, the only direct observations he has on food supply around the world. And when you think about it, everything else is coming from secondhand sources or from news reports or maybe export ledgers. And so it provides a bit of an independent assessment of what's going on and, and helps everyone understand, you know, are we in a crisis or are we not? And in a timely fashion. And I think that's probably the big change from, you know, over the past few decades, we don't, we're not as concerned about that particular issue anymore. I think the issues now are one, some of these crises happen in a more rapid fashion. We're more dependent on, on global trade than ever. And now we have instabilities and we will always have instabilities, right? And so this data can help us adjust to these issues that come up in the world and that will always be there. So it's a nice statement on the need for space-based observations that we can all share and everyone can see. Yeah, and for the first time in 2022, NASA attended America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused event, the Commodity Classic. What are some of the key takeaways from that event? I think a couple things. One, it, it, it showed in one sense, we still need to keep working on our messaging. Um, there, there's still this sense of NASA, oh, you do your science. And I didn't realize uh, you were doing using our data. And I have a funny story. One of our scientists was browsing around the, the Commodity Classic and got a question from one of the, I think it was an implement dealer, and uh, said, well, what are you doing here? What's, why is NASA here? And right behind that dealer, he was showing some data, and, it's, it's, and it was dealing with you know the situation in the country. And right behind him was, was a NASA data product, even with a NASA meatball on soil moisture across the country. And our scientists said, that's why. And, 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 and just making that connection. And, and the scientist said after that, he had such a great conversation because it was like, oh, you know, and just kind of making the connection between, you know, really what we do and, and, and what we're trying to do in support, not only farmers, but the agriculture industry, uh, you know, 
was a great experience. I think that was one need we saw. The other was really hearing the needs from the users. And I think now we're seeing the farmers with so much information. I remember one of the comments from a producer was saying, I have so much information. I get it all day long from my equipment and from the news media and from the industry. I need help and just deciphering that, you know, Mm-hmm. Give it, give me something that's useful and something I can use to make decisions. And uh, and so I think that was a clear message to us to say, how can we help? And we have tools to do that. So it's not only the observations, but it's the ability to take all that information and turn it into something that everyone can make decisions on. And uh, and so and that and a lot of other you know, just great discussions. And I think the last thing is that just making the personal connections with industry, with farmers, producers, associations that represent producers, uh, and and having these one-on-one chats to understand where the industry's going, where their pain points are, what information can be provided. And sometimes we say, well, our, we can't do that. And that's fine. I think understanding, too, what we can't help Sometimes we think we can solve everything, um, but understanding where we can provide our uh, value to the industry is important. So it was a really wonderful experience. Could you give us a glimpse of the latest tools and innovative applications and what you see as NASA's influence on the future of farming? I think uh, I'll, I'll talk about two in particular. One is our what's called OpenET, and essentially what it is is uh, a tool that's allowing us to take uh, primarily the thermal channel on the Landsat uh, satellite, the thermal sensor, and use that in a way to develop uh, a more comprehensive and complete information on evapotranspiration, which gives a critical measurement of water use of what a plant needs in order to be healthy. And, um, and so when we're in a major water crisis like we are now, especially out west, and even in other parts of the country, understanding how we can use water more efficiently has been a big draw. That tool and being able to allow users to see the data have it integrated into irrigation management systems. So it's not a it's not a unique, like separate NASA tool. It's a data product that can be integrated into existing decision-making tools to allow them to more effectively and efficiently use water is really, really critical. And I think the sort of the evolution right now that we have is we're really tying this all into the ability to process data like we've never had before. That was also a limiting factor. Um, the sensors are getting better. And we had just launched Landsat 9 uh, uh, last fall. And so we have better and better satellite measurements. And then the ability to take this information. And I talked about partnerships. And that's a partnership with Google, with Uh, EDF, with Desert Research Institute, with organizations across the country, um, including our federal partners. Um, And so that ability really does 
then provide the, you know, the trustworthiness of the tool. And by the way, that's one of the things that we heard often at the, the Commodity Classic and others is NASA is a trusted brand and we don't want to tarnish that and we want to we want to show why it's a trusted brand and it, and it really does show the other product that is really growing now is um, this water information um, so open at talks about sort of the water use part of the equation the other is the water supply and for agriculture the essential part of that is is where uh, the water touches the crop, and that's, that's soil moisture, and preferably roots on soil moisture. And we are now producing a soil moisture product, and the resolutions are getting better and better. And um, our new satellite, NISAR, that's going to launch in a few years, is going to get it down to 200 meters globally, except in desert regions. And so soil moisture is essentially that critical element that is needed almost throughout the growing cycle, you know, from planting conditions to emergence to right into senescence and harvest. And having that information is almost a yield forecaster. And, uh, and so getting better and better information on soil moisture has been a key driver of what we've been doing in partnership with USDA and other agencies. And uh, we produced just recently a soil moisture product for USDA that provides that soil moisture on a regular basis to show them uh, crop progress around the country. So they don't have to just go reach out and get that. The soil moisture is also being used from NASA in uh, agriculture media production. Uh, so in some uh, agriculture news forecasts uh, that are focused on agriculture, they're using the NASA product for soil moisture. So those two attributes are, are key. They're almost foundational, the water use component and the soil moisture. And then, of course, you know, all things water cycle uh, will become more and more important as we build out more and more information. And, and NASA is doing it. We have some of the most unique tools and sometimes the only observations on some of the aspects of the water cycle. And so we take that seriously and we want to make sure we're getting it out there and making it useful for everyone. And Brad, talking more about water resource management, what else is NASA doing? We talked about water use and that'll continue to be a big issue and driver. I think one of the things I didn't mention is, is we have surface soil moisture and of course root zone soil moisture. But then of course, as many of us know, we're concerned about the drawing up of the aquifers, um, whether it's the Ogallala in our Midwest or uh, in the Central Valley of California. And we are getting better information. It isn't perfect. But the issue with the subsurface water is we have so little information on subsurface water. Even the information that we can provide through course measurements, maybe through our GRACE satellite uh, that measures mass change and can assess the changes in subsurface water, 
it's enough that it can constrain these models that allow us to really help pinpoint, you know, are we drawing down more than that we're uh, resupplying? And so this type of information to help us understand this whole water cycle, and that goes right up to our atmospheric satellites that help us understand precipitation much, much better, are going to always be critical to the agriculture industry. And I think they're just going to get better and better. You told a story about Commodity Classic and the person kind of, what's NASA doing here? Generally speaking, do you find that people are surprised by the space agency's active role in agriculture? Yeah, I think I think certainly we we've, we've got this strong connection at national and global levels at those agencies, but I think yeah, the industry themselves don't realize sort of this story. And partly because, you know, we haven't had yeah, the the footprint at the local level. And so they don't hear about it. Um, and I've always told my teams and my PIs, the best application out there is where you don't even know NASA data is behind it, <laughs> right? Uh, you, yeah, and I, and it's funny, I just listened to an old podcast of years on uh, tech transfer at NASA. And in one of the statements uh, the gentleman made was that, you know, many people don't know many of the things that NASA provides uh, because it might be a valve or a, you know, a widget here uh, that we develop that's in a system. Mm-hmm. And it's almost the same with applications. Some of the most successful ones will be ones that, you know, the person takes ownership of it, the tool, even like OpenET, you know, the application is an irrigation management system that actually integrates OpenET into their data sets. And so I think because of that, sometimes they don't see that NASA is there. And so we need to make sure that we're communicating. Um, but I also like the idea that, especially in this country, where they, people want to take ownership of that tool, of that information. They want to make it their own. And so having us support that, I think, is a, is, is a great mission. Well, I've certainly learned a lot today, Brad, and I really do appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. I, I love talking about it. Is there anything we didn't cover? No, this was wonderful. I I love having chats like this, and I hope I was able to communicate and give a little bit of support to the, the team that does all the work in this area. So thank you. You'll find Brad's bio, links to NASA Earth Day activities and topics we discussed during our conversation, and a transcript of today's show at apple.nasa.gov slash podcast. As we continue to look at observations of Earth's interconnected systems, please plan to connect with us for our next episode, May 4th, when Kate Calvin, NASA's Chief Scientist and Senior Climate Advisor, joins us on the podcast. If you like this podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast app and share the episode with your friends and colleagues. As always, thanks for listening to Small Steps, Giant Leaps.